Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Man, oh man, Shepherds. We've got a lot of territory to cover. You with me? You're the only audience I can handle. I want to talk about the First Amendment briefly. One of the great experts on the First Amendment and other parts of the Constitution is a gentleman by the name of Nathan Lewin. Nathan Lewin has litigated in front of the Supreme Court and America's appellate courts more times than I can count. He's a brilliant man. He's taught at Harvard and Columbia and Georgetown and University of Chicago. But he, with his brilliant daughter... They run their own firm. They bring their own cases. Big, big cases. Big Supreme Court cases. Big First Amendment cases. So he wrote a piece in JNS.org, JNS, Jewish News Syndicate.org, explaining the First Amendment to university presidents, it's called. Shockingly, the presidents of Harvard... Penn and MIT do not know that the First Amendment does not protect anti-Semitic hate speech or support for terrorism. In the wake of the astounding testimony before Congress by the presidents of Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania, and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, three important questions must be asked. Number one, why are the presidents of leading American universities abysmally ignorant of Supreme Court rulings on the limits of protected speech under the First Amendment. The presidents claimed in their testimony that anti-Israel and anti-Semitic protesters, quote-unquote, on their campuses are only exercising their constitutionally protected right to free speech when they call for an intifada and chant Hamas's battle cry from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, both clear calls for violence against Israelis and Jews. Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, repeatedly declared that her university will act only, quote, when speech crosses into conduct, unquote. She might be surprised to learn that not a single Supreme Court justice, not one, agrees with her. In fact, it's unlikely that the three presidents have bothered to read the most recent definition of First, of first Amendment speech guarantees as exercised by all nine Supreme Court justices, albeit in various opinions. Not one of the justices believes that threats and incitement have blanket constitutional protection and cannot be punished unless they, quote, cross into conduct. This is this Sonny Houston on The View, another pathetic buffoon, the other legal analysts on TV who don't know a damn thing. It's incredible. That's why you're here. We know a lot of things. On June 27, the United States Supreme Court decided a case titled Counterman versus Colorado, which dealt with harassment on the social media site Facebook. 
The case generated much discussion precisely because it dealt with the issue of what limits can be placed on speech protections. All of the justices agreed that the Bill of Rights does not guarantee any right to send threats over social media. None. Nor did they hold that the First Amendment entitles a speaker to say anything so long as it does not, quote, cross into conduct, unquote. The justices differed only over how relevant the speaker's intention might be to the question of criminal penalties. A majority in the court, speaking through Justice Elena Kagan, said that expressing a threat would be a crime if the speaker uttered it with, quote, reckless disregard, unquote, for how it would be understood by the listener. Four justices differed only in part. All the justices agreed that freedom of speech does not protect a speaker who makes a threat with reckless disregard for the listener's fear of violence. And we have more than fear of violence. We have actual violence and threats going on on these campuses. Jewish students locking themselves in rooms, locking themselves in their dorms, in the libraries, in attics, not wanting to go to class. Lewin writes, the campus protesters in question are obviously guilty of reckless disregard for the fears of their Jewish fellow students under the most recent Supreme Court rulings. They can be charged with crimes and punished accordingly. That the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the former president of Penn are ignorant of this is shocking. Number two, why are major donors to these universities only terminating future grants? rather than demanding that billions of dollars in past donations be refunded. Benefactors who've given huge donations to Harvard and other universities with enormous endowments have announced publicly that they will not continue to contribute to these institutions because they promote and fail to control anti-Semitism. It is possible that this may influence public declarations of university administrators who are unhappy that the flow of funds has been interrupted. But given the vast resources of these institutions and the contributions likely to come from anti-Semitic and Israel, anti-Israel sources, it will only have a modest impact. A far more powerful response would be for major donors to file lawsuits seeking to recover the billions of dollars they've donated in the past. They could do so on the grounds that these donations were secured by false representations they claim the universities were providing proper, meaningful education to their students. And I might add an important footnote here. Parents who've paid the tuition of their kids to be students at these universities, they would have the same cause of action with different facts. The same cause of action to get their tuition back. For example, Harvard's original charter of 1650 stated its students will be taught knowledge and godliness, quote-unquote. Contributors have now discovered that Harvard does not abide by this charter. Instead, it egregiously violates it by nurturing hate and violence against Jews, as such donors are legally entitled to recover the funds they were convinced by Harvard's false representation to provide. Again, same with the students. And three, and finally, why are no federal grand juries investigating the probable violations of American anti-terrorist laws committed by organizers and participants in pro-Hamas public protests? In 1996, in 1996, Congress enacted the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, which makes it a criminal offense to provide, quote, material support to foreign terrorist organizations, unquote. 
Violating this law can be punished with a long prison sentence. The Supreme Court, with Chief Justice John Roberts writing for a six-person majority, upheld the law in 2010 and rejected claims that its restriction of, quote, material support, unquote, for terrorism violated First Amendment rights of free speech and free association. The case is Holder versus Humanitarian Law Project in 2010. Advocating for a terrorist organization and supporting its activities, even if they constitute otherwise lawful protest, violates this provision of the federal criminal code. Organized protests supporting Hamas, accompanied by costly printed signs, customized uniforms and caps, the Palestinian flags, assuredly qualified as, quote, material support, unquote, for Hamas. And I bet if they look further during discovery, they'll find money there, too. So Nat Lewin asks this. Why has the Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland, a descendant of Holocaust survivors, failed to initiate a federal investigation into these probable violations of America's anti-terrorism laws? Why has no, not one, U.S. attorney impaneled a federal grand jury and subpoenaed witnesses? These are just some of the questions that an American lawyer must ask in these turbulent times. And now he has set the record straight as I have, quite frankly, on the First Amendment. These threats are not protected. These mobs and what they are, what they are arguing for is not protected. The Supreme Court has said so. Every member in their own way has said so. And under Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, not a single U.S. attorney has brought a single charge against anybody. Nobody. What about some of these faculty members who go out there and celebrate these threats and the violence and Hamas, a terrorist organization? I said before, we're not required to fund this. In America, we're not required to provide safe havens for homegrown and foreign supporters of terrorists and terrorism. And turn the other cheek. That's not academic freedom. That's not free speech. That's quite the contrary. And so things that can be done are not being done. By the Department of Justice. By Joe Biden. By not a single U.S. attorney in the United States. Not one of the 93. None of them. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. 
making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Mitt Romney says he sees no evidence to support the impeachment, even an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. Jamie Raskin, a Marxist rat fink that was involved in both impeachments of Donald Trump, that was involved in objecting to Donald Trump's election and the electors in 2016 on the floor of the House, has promoted the the outrageous argument that the 14th Amendment in Section 3 prevents Donald Trump from being on state ballots. Every state court now has rejected that. And hates the men who wrote the Constitution. His father was a Marxist and a Sovietologist, if you will. And Raskin's no different. And yet he's on TV all the time. But Romney is remarkable for his stupidity and his arrogance dressed up as self-righteousness. Let me educate the senator who took an oath to uphold the Constitution about the president who took an oath to uphold the Constitution is failing to do so. Let's start here. Article 2, Section 3. You haven't heard any of this today, I bet. Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution of the United States. He, meaning the president, shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses or either of them. And in case of disagreement between them with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. Here's the key. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. This is called the take care clause. The Constitution provides that the president shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. This duty potentially implicates at least five categories of executive power. Including number one, powers the Constitution confers directly upon the president by the opening and succeeding clauses of Article 2. Powers that congressional acts, number two, directly confer upon the president. Number three. Powers that congressional acts confer upon heads of departments and other executive agencies of the federal government. Number four, power that stems implicitly from the duty to enforce the criminal statutes of the United States. Number five, power to carry out the so-called ministerial duties regarding which an executive officer can exercise limited discretion in the occasion or manner of their discharge. Now, he shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. There's another part of the Constitution where the president has a specific oath of office. Somewhat different than everybody else in the federal government. Somewhat different than judges and senators and congressmen. He shall faithfully execute the laws of the United States. It's not an option. 
It's not a choice. It's not a thought process. He shall. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. He shall take care that the laws are enforced, that they are executed. Mitt Romney says he has seen nothing that suggests Joe Biden has committed an impeachable offense. So you have those two sections of the Constitution. They're explicit. Not may, he shall, he must. Even laws he disagrees with. There's been plenty of Supreme Court precedent that is litigation on this issue. It means what it says. Then we go to the impeachment clause. And the impeachment clause is complicated for your average legal analyst on CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere, but it's not complicated. The bottom line on the impeachment clause is this. A president shall not commit acts or fail to act in the society when the country is in trouble or create circumstances intentionally creating such an environment in the country. When a president of the United States refuses to actually visit, acknowledge, correct policies that clearly, specifically, intentionally, and directly violate federal laws that he is required to uphold. I don't mean just challenge them in court. I mean, once the dust settles, refuses to enforce them, that is a high crime under our Constitution. That is what's meant by a high crime. He is committing acts, illegal acts, unconstitutional acts against the country. We don't need to look at bank accounts to figure that out, America. We don't need to look at wires. We don't need to look at foreign governments. We don't need to look at anything except his conduct. We don't need depositions, we don't need notes, we don't need texts, we don't need phone records. We don't need subpoenas. Joe Biden is unilaterally violating separation of powers, violating his oath of office, violating the take care clause of the United States Constitution as he directs his regime to keep the border open. To defy existing federal immigration law. To allow millions of people to pour into the country who are unvetted. Thereby threatening the safety and security of our society. Encouraging foreigners to come into our country and overrun our towns and our cities. To overrun law enforcement and our hospitals. It is a high crime. Joe Biden's conduct and the conduct of his subordinates in violating not one, but a score of federal immigration laws, undermining the ability of the Border Patrol 
undermining the ability of administrative law judges. Undermining the ability of customs. Of federal law enforcement, of state law enforcement, of local law enforcement. To protect their communities, to protect the country. From millions and millions of illegal aliens coming into the country. Potentially terrorists and criminals, undoubtedly. Policies that are encouraging drug cartels, kidnappers, to rape women, to rape children, to sell them into sex slavery. Pouring billions of dollars into the coffers of the drug cartels south of the border with sales of fentanyl and other deadly drugs in our country to our kids, to our grandkids, resulting in the death of tens of thousands. Trampling private property rights for ranchers and others on the border. Destroying their communities. Because there's nowhere to put them. There's so many of them. This is a high crime. This is a high crime. It is a violation of the United States Constitution in at least two respects. And it is unleashing economic, societal, cultural, and criminal mayhem in our country. And Biden knows it. He should be impeached. He should be removed. What is it that Mitt Romney doesn't see? That Mitt Romney says there is no basis for even an impeachment inquiry. That Mitt Romney is the favorite host among other reprobate Republicans in the fifth column in this country. On the most dastardly, dishonest propaganda platforms in America, especially on their Sunday shows, where he seeks to undermine not just this party, not just the country, but the people who have suffered horrendously from an open border. The people who've been raped and sold into sex slavery, the children who go missing. The Americans who are dying from criminals, fentanyl and other drugs. Mitt Romney doesn't see it. He doesn't see a high crime. He's an ignoramus at a minimum. Jamie Raskin, an American-hating Marxist, who year after year leads coup efforts, and did during the presidency of Donald Trump while he's claiming that Donald Trump is the dictator. Raskin, who hates our country, hates our constitution, hates capitalism, is now in talks with some Republicans to try and convince all they need are two or three to vote against an impeachment inquiry. Because Raskin doesn't give a damn what's happening on the border or to our country. He hates it. He hates our economic system. He hates our history. 
He's a chip off his old daddy's Marxist block. You can Google all this information. High crime. The reason CNN isn't on the border day in and day out. The reason MSNBC is not on the border day in and day out. The reason the New York Times spends more time trying to knock off Benjamin Netanyahu than to protect and secure our southern border. Same with the Washington Post and the rest of the media. Is because they support this. They hate America too. If they love America, they have a funny way of showing it. They have bent over backwards to try and land Donald Trump in prison. With phony charges on January 6th, phony document charges that have never been used against a president. Espionage Act has never been used against a president, a vice president, a former attorney general, any cabinet secretary that I'm aware of. It's a throwback to 1917 and Woodrow Wilson. Doesn't matter. They dusted off a Klan Act to go after Trump. Here we have it straight, forward, black and white. What's taking place on our border? Who's responsible? The Supreme Court said not long ago in a case that involved Arizona and the former governor there, a case that was again ruled wrongly, that the president has plenary power to make decisions about what goes on. But of course, that doesn't mean he has plenary power to defy, undermine, and violate specific statutory language and the intention of those statutes. Joe Biden has blood on his hands in the Middle East with Israelis and in the United States with even more civilian deaths. Says he's a two-state solution for Israel, which will be the final solution. Well, I have a solution for what's going on on the border. Impeach Joe Biden. Now. Any Republican who opposes it must be defeated. Period. This is not some extreme or radical position. This is exactly why the impeachment clause is there. And this is exactly why the high crime language is in the impeachment clause. This is exactly what they meant by a high crime. I'm sure my education in Mitt Romney has fallen on deaf ears. Because he's an idiot. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Look at this from Breitbart. John Hayward. Iran rejects two-state solution, demands end of Israel. This is the disconnect. This is the insanity, the imbecilic agenda of the Biden administration and the Obama underlings that serve him. Talk about a two-state solution, Iran and, and Hamas before Iran. They're talking about caliphates. 
They're already rejecting it. So Israel would surrender its indigenous ancestral lands to entities that hate them and want to destroy them and are going to say that's not enough. But don't worry, Joe Biden will protect them. Joe Biden will be dead and gone a long time. Let me continue, shall I? I think I shall. Zelensky obviously was in Washington today. And Ukraine is desperate. They don't have an industrial base that builds military armaments and equipment, jets and so forth, because they were conquered long ago by Stalin, who took everything out of Ukraine and brought it into Russia. Ukraine has been largely an agricultural part of Europe, with some industrial centers, but nothing compared to the rest of the industrial nations in Europe. They signed a deal in 1994 that I've talked about, first broke it behind this microphone, where they surrendered every nuclear weapon they had to Russia in exchange for a security promise from the United States, Britain, and Russia that all three nations would help Ukraine protect its sovereignty and its borders. You have people on TV, and sadly, you actually have people on TV who claim to be conservatives, constitutionalists, who don't care. It's perverse. It's bizarre. It's happened before in our country. Many of them are isolationists, but don't dare call them isolationists. Many of them are pro-Putin, but don't dare call them pro-Putin. Well, what do we call them? Hey, look, Mark. We've poured enough money into that country. And here's the problem. Joe Biden, you are quite right. We have poured tens of billions of dollars into that country, Ukraine. And just like Biden and Blinken are trying to tie the hands of Israel, just like Biden and Blinken are trying to tell them, don't have a crushing victory. You need pauses. You need to feed the enemy. You need to fuel the enemy. The civilians are complaining that the terrorists, the Hamas terrorists, are taking it from them. So what? So this money goes into Ukraine with conditions. You're not to go on offense. Inside Russia. You're not to attack Russian soldiers across the border. You're not to attack Russian supply lines across the border. You're not to attack Russian towns and cities across the border. You're not to take out Putin. You're not to hit Moscow. Only Kiev can get hit. So they place all these conditions, and they tie those conditions to the provision of armaments. It's not that Ukraine receives $10 billion, $30 billion, $40 billion. There's basically a credit line that they have at the Pentagon, and that money is spent for our American industries, our military industries, to make the weaponry for Ukraine. That is, they take them out of our inventory, and they replace them with the money 
It's an accounting move. So it's still money. Don't get me wrong. We're still spending it. Some of it winds up in Ukraine. But Ukraine has to spend it here. It's the only way they can get tanks, missiles, defense systems. Not going to get them anywhere else. Basically spending our money here. Okay. But Joe Biden has constantly told them how to fight their war. I've been complaining about this from day one. General Keene has been complaining about this from day one. Others who know what they're talking about, who are conservatives, who are with us, you and me, they've been saying the same thing. We pour this money into Ukraine. Why isn't it having a bigger effect? It's because of Biden and his limitations and his directions and his interruptions. And this guy thinks he's the the commanding general of the world, of all of our allies. He's trying to do exactly the same with the thing with Israel. He's had some success, but Israel has pushed back much harder than Zelensky can, quite frankly. So Zelensky never had the full support of Biden. Oh, sure, today they had a press conference. Oh, sure, the Democrats are insisting that more money go into Ukraine. But the rest of the story is not being told to you. And you see it being played out with Israel. And the enemy there, the terrorists, don't win. Don't hurt civilians. No matter how many of your civilians might get hurt if you don't destroy Hamas. Biden is actually preventing, and this will be very complex and complicated for the left and the Democrats. Mark Levin says, oh, you're damn right. He gives them money and then he ties one arm behind their back while the Russians can do whatever the hell they want to the Ukrainian people, to the Ukrainian children as they kidnap them and bring them over the border, as they target their cities and their towns, as they rape and brutalize their women and their men, castrating them. Where are all those stories? They just disappeared from the media. I guess they got bored. I guess they're bored now. Biden has handicapped the Ukrainians. He's kneecapped them. And so he pours money into that country and then tells them what they can and cannot do with it. And what armaments he will make available to them when they use that money to try and purchase armaments. No, 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 no jets. He eventually agreed to some jets. No, 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 not heavy artillery that can reach Moscow. He eventually agreed to, but it's always two, three, four months late. And so you literally have an army in Ukraine that's much smaller than the Russian army. Has a much smaller population than Russia. That month to month doesn't know what it can or cannot do. Because of the decisions being made by the Secretary of State and the President of the United States in the Oval Office. They're there making decisions for all our allies that are under attack. I have to believe the Israelis see this, Netanyahu and the others, of what Biden has done to Zelensky in Ukraine. That he has provided them with resources to purchase armaments, but only the armaments that he wants to sell them. And they can only fight the war the way that Biden wants them. To. I'm not talking about the United States as a whole. I'm talking about Biden. Biden. 
Biden doesn't care if they slug it out forever. That's how much he cares about Ukrainian citizens. He doesn't care if they slug it out for 20 years when he's long gone. He does not want Ukraine to have a victory. Period. He doesn't care if the Israelis slug it out forever. He wants to remove Netanyahu and the Orthodox Jews that are in his administration because in the end, Biden's a bigot too, just like Obama. He wouldn't even allow the hostage families, American Israelis, with hostages taken by Hamas to go to the Hanukkah party last night. Why? Why? Oh, because he's allowed all the leftists, all the phonies, the frauds, the self-haters, they all came. But not the families of the hostages. No. So you're looking at what Biden has done to Ukraine. He gets credit for providing money and armaments. But you've got to look further because you're smart. You're not Jake Tapper. You're not Kobe Hall or Dan Abrams. You're not the racist, bigot, anti-Semite who runs Media Matters. Forget the jackass's name, but all the good on that. And so Ukraine has not gotten what it needs in time to defeat Russia. Now, by defeating Russia, I don't mean going into Russia and defeating Russia, going all the way to Moscow, neither do they. They mean pushing them out of their country and and defending their country. And it's so crucially important because Putin has made clear, I've read what he said, most people in TV and radio have not, that Ukraine is a is a land, a territory on the way to Poland. That's why the Poles are giving the Ukrainians every damn thing they have. That's why the Balkan states, these little countries, three of them, are giving everything they have. They don't have a lot to the Ukrainians. These are not countries built on a war machine like Putin's Russia. This is why Romania is giving Ukraine everything they have. They're right on the border with Ukraine. Ukraine falls, NATO gets involved. That's how important this is. Then, of course, the domino effect with Communist China now threatening the Philippines. Threatening the Philippines. Oh, those islands there? Yeah, they're ours. Japan, those islands there? Yeah, they're ours. Vietnam, you're a good friend. You know that the water's off your shores? Yes, they're ours. They've already claimed this. The South China Sea? Yes, it's ours. The East China Sea? Yes, that's ours too. What are you going to do about it? Well, they're watching. And what they're seeing is Joe Biden doesn't believe in victory. He doesn't believe the Ukrainians should have a victory. He doesn't believe the Israelis should have a victory. The Israelis should negotiate with terrorists who slaughtered their people. If those terrorists were south of our border and slaughtered our people the way they treated the Israelis, the women and the children, there'd be no room for a pause for fuel and food or anything else. As I said earlier in the show, Biden is demanding that Netanyahu provide their enemy with fuel and food and medicine. Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant 
not just in Vicksburg, but other words, refuse to provide food and clean water and medicine of any kind to fellow Americans who they were trying to defeat in order to defeat slavery. But you see, the left in America, the media in America, defeating slavery was a be-all and end-all. And it was, and it should have been. But the Israeli Jews defending themselves from terrorists who want worse than slavery, who want the torture, rape, and elimination of the Jews. That's different. Why is that different? Isn't that a moral imperative? You would think. Iran rejects two-state solution, demands the end of Israel. Hamas rejects two-state solution, demands the end of Israel. Iranian foreign minister, Hussein Yabadabadoo, he says they want a caliphate. Hamas says they want a caliphate. They've said it before. Why am I the, the only one who listens to these, these Nazi bastards? No, no, we need a two-state solution for peace. Where has there ever been peace with a two-state solution? Show me one place. Korea? That's not peace. The North has nuclear weapons aimed at the South. And the South surrendered all their nuclear weapons. Another brilliant American administration decision. South Korea has no nukes. North Korea is building nukes. And by the time this administration leaves office, which isn't fast enough for me, Iran's going to have nukes. Won't that be great for the next president to have to deal with? You can't undo it. You can't unravel the knowledge. Once they have the knowledge and the know-how, it's done. But Joe Biden's worried about the civilians. Has he ever worried about the civilians in Ukraine? We've already talked about the southern border. Does he ever, ever talk about American civilians on the southern border? Never! Does he ever talk about American civilians in our inner cities who are being slaughtered? Never! What about the American hostages that the Taliban are holding? They never talk about that either. And now we have a report. There's a special group within Israel with top-notch doctors and experts and so forth who believe most of the remaining hostages have been murdered. Unfortunately, I predicted this and warned you about this. It's a terrorist organization. They committed heinous acts, heinous, humiliating sexual acts against the women and the girls, and by the way, apparently against the men too. Would Joe Biden tolerate that if that happened in Texas? He might. From Mexico, he might. He might. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. The House of Representatives, nay, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, every one of them, voted for an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. It's an inquiry. It's not an actual impeachment, as everybody keeps saying, which is true. But because impeachment's provided for in the Constitution itself, it gives the... House of Representatives, the majority, 
more muscle to demand actual responses to subpoenas, testimony, that is, depositions, and more muscle in court, should there be a dispute, to get those subpoenas and depositions. Now, what amazes me about this is to watch the same Democrats who insisted that Donald Trump committed impeachable offenses. Let's take the second impeachment first without ever holding a hearing. They raced it through the House of Representatives. They delivered it to the Senate as fast as possible. Every Senate Democrat voted for it. Some Republicans voted for it, like Sass, like Romney and a handful of others. They said that he was involved in an insurrection and seditious conspiracy, which, of course, he was not. There was never any evidence of that. There still isn't any evidence of that, and he's never been charged with it. So the standard for impeaching a president has been fundamentally destroyed. In the first impeachment, we have a public phone call, excuse me, a phone call that was not public between President Trump and Zelensky. Trump and Zelensky defended the call. Zelensky said he did not in any way feel pressured to do anything. President Trump was so sure of that, he actually released a transcript of the call, which is a rarity. The Democrats seized on it, nonetheless, half a sentence. Reinterpreted what actually was in the transcript and insisted that Donald Trump was putting the shoulder on Zelensky. And that only if Zelensky, only if Zelensky opened an investigation on Biden, would he get some of the aid that he wanted. Zelensky said, I never felt that pressure. That wasn't what was said. Trump said the same thing. It didn't matter. They had nothing on Russia collusion. They created Russia collusion. They created their criminal investigation. They planted the entire story. But they couldn't get it on him because it was utterly and completely false. It was a lie to the American people. Led by the Democrats and their media. So at the last minute, they moved to Ukraine. They have an insider, a Trump-hating Democrat, Obama holdover. And they impeached him for that. Two impeachments. And it was more than that, a bogus criminal investigation by a bogus special counsel. And now the Republicans have voted on an impeachment inquiry. And to watch Swalwell, who was involved in every one of the impeachments of Trump and the January 6th committee. Swalwell now saying, in the case of little Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden says I'll only testify if I'm subpoenaed to testify publicly so it's transparent. The January 6th committee, every deposition it took, every interview it took was in the basement of the Capitol building. There were requests. There were demands that those depositions be held publicly. And the Democrats said no. Raskin said no. Kingsinger said no. Cheney said no. Pelosi said no. Now Hunter Biden says today at a bizarre public event, he'll only testify it's public. Well, guess what? You spoiled little bastard. You don't get to tell them what to do, and there's plenty of precedent for this even before the January 6th committee. So all this precedent is coming back to bite the Democrats in the ass. All of it. Except one. 
The Attorney General of the United States has gone silent. He's gone silent about anti-Semitism. He's gone silent about Hunter Biden. He didn't hold any big press conference. He's gone silent. Why is there not a special counsel investigating Joe Biden? Under the special counsel appointment process, there's more than enough information. More than enough information to suggest a potential conflict of interest. When the United States Department of Justice, all senior appoint, senior members appointed by Joe Biden himself are sitting on their hands. When it comes to Joe Biden, when you have an indictment in California of Hunter Biden, that specifically, as I discussed the day it happened, excludes Joe Biden and specifically excludes those possible counts that would ensnare Joe Biden, like Farah. We all know what's going on here. We're not stupid. We're not stupid. Let me tell you some other precedent this administration, these Democrat hack Obama judges are creating in this country, and they're not good. They're all bad. When a president of the United States makes decisions, he cannot be charged with a crime or has opinions or expresses his viewpoints. He cannot be charged with a crime. Otherwise, the presidency's dead. You would literally have an unelected prosecutor, an unelected federal judge, unelected trial jury, determining whether they're going to decapitate the executive branch. The president is the third branch of government. Elected by all the people. That is, that people go to the voting booth or whatever they do anymore. Elected by the majority or a plurality. But all the people participate. That's not, there's not another office like that in the United States. Excluding the vice president. So you can't have one prosecutor, one judge, one jury, say in Washington or Atlanta or whatever, Determining whether a president stays or goes. Moreover, a president has to be free to act. That's one of the reasons he's not subject to criminal prosecution while he's president. Now. But the Biden Justice Department, with Jack the Ripper Smith, who is a completely rogue son of a you-know-what, and what this Judge Chunkin and others have done, is they've said, okay, that may be true, but that doesn't carry, that privilege doesn't carry after a president has left office. He's not a king, you know. If he did something while president, and we claim he violated the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, and we claim he violated the Enron Obstruction Act twice, or we claim that he violated a federal contractor act, and we use those four charges to effectively prosecute him for insurrection and seditious conspiracy without actually charging him or having to prove the, the elements of such crimes. He's not above the law. He could be charged with that. Trump's lawyer is going to say, wait a minute. So in other words, an opposition administration or an opposition party 
or a candidate who's afraid to run against, say, Donald Trump, that his prosecutors can look at the presidency, can look at the decisions made during the presidency, and when that president is out of office, indict him for those decisions? So, to put a fine point on it, I could sit here today, I can make a list of all the violations that Joe Biden has committed, including a score of immigration laws he's intentionally violated, the violence that has flowed from that, the death, the rape, the sex trafficking that has flowed from that, the undermining, the undermining of our communities, the undermining of law enforcement, the undermining of our hospitals, the mayhem and the havoc that that has created for towns and cities across the country. I can sit and wait until he's out of office and sue him, find some law, some law to hang it on. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen. If the Supreme Court blows this one, if Hollywood, John Roberts, if Kavanaugh, and if Barrett, who's been a complete disaster, if they go along with Hollywood John, and they're cowards, and they're afraid of what be said of them on MSNBC and CNN said of them in the New York Times, It's the opposite of what's taking place. It's not that the president is king. It's that extremely radical political party, which now controls the executive branch, wants to destroy the presidency because they're out for Donald Trump. And that presidency will be destroyed forever if the Supreme Court doesn't do the right thing, which is number one, no, Jack, get in line with everybody else. This isn't life and death. This is an emergency. If Donald Trump loses, you can hold your trial. What are you worried about? No, we're not going to abandon the process just because you insist and write a hysterical, political, self-aggrandizing brief to the Supreme Court where you claim to represent the public interest. And you claim the public interest is in a speedy trial. Jack, the speedy trial provision, the Bill of Rights, belongs to the defendant, not the government. The government doesn't have a right to a speedy trial. The government has all the power, all the resources, all the personnel. That was written to protect the person who's targeted by the government, not to protect the government so it can crush a defendant. But Jack's in a hurry. So is Judge Tunkin, who today realized... Well, she was a little too big for her britches. So she said, I have to put this on hold until all this appellate stuff is resolved. That, that's right, Judge. You do. I'm sorry. So you can see how Biden, the Democrats, Jack Smith, Judge Chunkin, how they have literally destroyed our constitutional processes when it comes to impeachment our constitutional processes when it comes to criminal law, when it comes to the immunity of a president and separation of powers, you can see they're setting fires everywhere, just as Joe Biden is setting fires all over the world. An impeachment inquiry. Let me pretend I work for MSNBC, Mr. Producer. 
Let me pretend I'm Joe Scarborough and subtract about 100 IQ points. Well, you know, Mika, well, you know, Mika, if, if Joe Biden doesn't have anything to hide and cover up, what's he worried about an inquiry for, Mika? What's the problem? He's got nothing to hide. Just go ahead and take a look at man. Why you been stonewalling the House of Representatives, Joe? Come on, President Biden. Give them what they want. Demonstrate that you're perfectly fine. There's no problem here, right, Mika? Oh, sure, right, Joe. Yeah, there's nothing wrong here. And look, they're going after poor Hunter Biden. Made almost $3 million and didn't pay any taxes for four years. They're only going after him because of MAGA. MAGA told him not to pay his taxes, Mika, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. MAGA told him to spend his money on hookers and drugs. MAGA, MAGA told him to shake down the communist Chinese and the man, and all that, you know. MAGA. And the question for the average intelligent American is, why would all these governments and companies pay Hunter Biden over $30 million? If he's a drug-addled moron, has no business, and did nothing for them. If that's the case. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. I don't know what it's going to take. I really don't. To try and shake some sense into our Republican friends in the House. I'm not one to typically hammer away at the Republicans in the House. They're far superior to the Republicans in the Senate as a group. But that said, ladies and gentlemen, there are impeachable offenses committed by this president that punch you right in the nose. That every American can understand. That affects every American directly, some indirectly. When you listen to some of my friends on TV or on radio go through a long iteration of monies that were given to the Biden family, you need to understand that the vast majority of Americans, their eyes glaze over. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be pursued constitutionally through impeachment, doesn't mean it shouldn't be pursued criminally. But you're selling impeachment, which is not a criminal process, the removal of a president of the United States. And when you have an overwhelming case that is understandable to Mr. and Mrs. America, why don't you use it? Now, what's Mark talking about now? It's only a matter of time until everybody repeats it on radio and TV and maybe some in Congress. I hope so. Here's my point. I explained it briefly on Hannity. I'm going to explain it at great length on Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And by the way, four great guests Saturday and Sunday. Dershowitz, David Schoen, Leo Terrell, Richard Goldberg. These are fantastic 
guests for fantastic issues. But it'll be the last weekend shows for Life, Liberty, and Levin until the new year. We'll have some specials that are fantastic because I just finished working on them. But this weekend is the last live two shows until next year. So I encourage you to set your DVR, your smart TV, or whatever you do. Back to the point. President of the United States, for reasons I've explained, is violating the Constitution and his oath of office by not just defying our immigration laws, obliterating our immigration laws and their purpose. You say, what's going on on the southern border is outrageous. Yes, it is. It's also unconstitutional that he won't enforce the immigration laws. He doesn't get to change them by executive fiats, executive orders, and so forth, or or blowing off the law, you don't need depositions, you don't need subpoenas, you don't need documents, you don't need texts, you don't need witnesses. It's just a fact of Biden regime policy. That there's mayhem in the humanity of an unimaginable level taking place on the southern border. Now you know it's really, really bad, because most of the corrupt Democrat Party media won't cover it. Or they cover it a little... You know, swing into it and then swing out of it. But Americans are dying by the tens of thousands because of open borders, drugs. People are being physically abused and raped and sold into sex slavery. Women and children, elementary school age children. We don't control the southern border. That's our sovereignty. That's our country. This is by intent. This is purposeful. This is part of an ideological agenda. People say, let us impeach the head of DHS. Now, why waste your time? He's doing what Biden tells him to do. So they have an impeachment inquiry resolution that passed with every Republican for it and every Democrat against it. I read the resolution such as it is. It's very broad, and it certainly would allow the House of Representatives to consider this issue as part of an impeachment report. This should be Article 1. Article 1 in an impeachment of Joe Biden. Article 2. Without any constitutional authority whatsoever. In fact, worse. In violation of a Supreme Court ruling. In fact, worse. Undermining separation of powers by seizing the power of the purse from Congress. Joe Biden with a magic wand cost the American Treasury half a trillion dollars in student loan forgiveness, quote unquote. Student loan forgiveness. The president does not have the power to seize that authority from Congress. He defied a Supreme Court ruling. He and his administration went around two branches of the federal government under our Constitution. One that has complete control over the purse. The other that was asked to rule on it and did. And Joe Biden still stole Half a trillion dollars out of the treasury to try and pay off part of his base.
That's a clear violation of his oath of office. And it's a clear violation of his responsibility to take care that the laws of the United States are executed. That's impeachment article number two. Impeachment article number three. The main responsibility of a commander-in-chief, that is the president, is America's national security. That's why he has the commander-in-chief title and responsibility. He is the executive branch. When the commander-in-chief knowingly and actively is providing aid financial support, diplomatic cover for a terrorist regime that has killed American soldiers, that has kidnapped Americans, that as I speak is trying to kill more American soldiers and attack American bases in the Middle East, that is funding terrorist organizations like Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and many more. When the President of the United States specifically hires an envoy who's a special pleader for the Iranian regime, and that envoy in turn hires people, one of whom may well be a spy, that envoy who so bad had his clearance revoked by the Biden administration. Under cover of darkness, they won't tell us why. But when the President of the United States institutes waivers, on a regime that ensures that tens of billions of dollars will pour into its coffers, that in turn takes that money and helps build weapons for Russia to attack Ukraine, that has built an alliance with North Korea, built an alliance with communist China, and is funding all this terrorism, these attacks on Americans, when a president of the United States rearms this regime, rearms it, Regime that targeted our former Secretary of State, our former National Security Advisor for assassination. These are collectively an impeachable offense. It's a high crime. Article 1, Article 2, Article 3 are high crimes. What's a high crime? The framers looked, and among other things, English common law. That's where they came up with the idea of impeachment to begin with. They read it. They looked at it. And what did it say? It said that an individual who takes an oath and is thereby in a unique position of authority who can affect the well-being of a society who takes steps or fails to take steps to secure that society has committed a high crime. That's what the word high means in that context. In other words, it's a constitutional violation. Joe Biden has done that on immigration. He's done that on the power of the purse. He's done that as a commander in chief who is funding our enemy. Article 3 is the third priority for impeachment. Article 1, Article 2, Article 3 in the Mark Levin impeachment 
are completely understandable by Mr. and Mrs. America. Let the Democrats and the media and the other members of the Praetorian Guard circle their wagons and try and protect their president. They will fail. These are black and white issues. These are good and bad issues. These are good and evil issues, right and wrong issues. And in every case, there's no need for subpoenas, documents, texts, phone records, witnesses. It's a matter of policy, the official policy of the Biden regime to do these things. To do these things. And then you can have Article uh, 4, which is discussed endlessly on cable, where the one, two, or three chairmen of the various committees are brought in, where they speak quickly and talk about Evan Archer and Devin Archer and this, that, and the other. They have a very strong case, I think, against Biden. Apparently Chuck Grassley can't see it, but then again, that's not the standard. But Chuck Grassley can see Mark's Article 1. Chuck Grassley can see Mark's Article 2. Chuck Grassley can see Mark's Article 3. And it becomes an imperative, an obligation of members of Congress who also take a different oath of office, but one that is close enough to the oath that the president takes. That they have an absolute obligation to vote an impeachment and indictment of Joe Biden for the deaths, the rapes, the chaos, the economic consequences, what happens in our schools, law enforcement with illegal immigration. They have an absolute obligation to prevent a president of the United States from seizing power under our Constitution from another branch of government. They have an absolute obligation to impeach, indict, and really remove an American commander-in-chief who is subsidizing, who is funding our enemy. Neville Chamberlain appeased Hitler, peace in our time. But he didn't send funds to Hitler. He didn't send funds to Hitler's surrogates. He didn't subsidize Hitler by lifting waivers on sanctions. He didn't subsidize Hitler through international organizations. But that's exactly what Joe Biden is doing. The Islamo-Nazis in Tehran, in Gaza, in Lebanon, in Yemen, and all around the world. The American people see it and can understand it. Even those who aren't focused on politics. Article 4. The issues being discussed on the Hill and on cable and radio. They can't follow that. And when you have Democrats in the media. Really gumming up the works. Claiming there's nothing here. Lying about it. Covering it up. Makes it even harder. Again. It should in fact be Article 4 of impeachment. Because the Biden sold Big Daddy's office, 
They made over $30 million. And if people don't want to believe that, they're blind to it. But people will believe and do understand the first three articles. I am pleading this case over and over and over again to the Republicans. Get your act together. You've got a strong, strong case if you do it right. 